Hello, and of course it messed up on me. All right, here's my intro video now. How we doing? This is Rob Foster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. Public speaking is the number one fear in the world. I started a business during the recession in 2009 here in the U.S. People upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. I mentor people with master's degrees, with PhDs, and I help people who have been in business for a long time. I had deal with, with a nutrition store maybe a half mile away from my facility, and we, we cross-promote. You know, we help out to give our clients what they need. That's where, where you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that point, Right. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Tuesday, right? Yes. Happy Tuesday, everyone. This is Rob, episode number 49. So I'm on a solo mission today. So we're going to take it in a different direction. But first, we got to talk about the grind gear. So I have grind gear now. We got t-shirts. We got long sleeve. We got the shut up and grind. We got that. It never gets easier. You get stronger. We got hoodies and a whole host of other good stuff. And all of that is going to go to help the channel grow. And so I'm going to put a shorter link on here. But for right now, here is the link. You want to take a look at the store. And also, I have the ability to accept donations now. So if people, again, if you want to help out, promote the channel, help the channel grow, and help me grow to get all across the globe, those donations will go to help me have the videos translated into different languages so it can be distributed into more than the 16 countries we are already in. And so if that is on your heart and you want to help out, you can go to shutupandgrind.me. Plans as low as 99 cents a month. That's it. Just a buck. But if a bunch bunch of people want to help out, we'll be able to take this baby to every country out there and address the things that need to be addressed. All right. So shutupandgrind.me. So let's get into today's message. So since last year, I've been very, very outspoken on my my thoughts on race relations and just the plight of people of color in general. And, you know, there's always multiple responses because you're not going to please everyone. And that's in every facet of life, no matter what it is you're talking about. You can be talking about basketball. There's going to be people who, who love it, people who hate it. You can talk about, you know, handicap accessibility. You're going to have people who love what's being done. You're going to have people who hate what's being done. And so when you start talking about race, that goes the same way. You're going to have people that think one way. You're going to have people who think another way, which is absolutely fine. So as I get into it, People can feel free to dis- disagree, feel free to comment, just don't act like a two-year-old. That's all I ask. So if we can have an adult conversation about this, let's have an adult conversation. So I had 
It was like an hour and a half long. Actually, it was longer than that. It was close to two hours. We had a seven panel. Uh, I had seven panelists on, and we spoke for almost two hours about this topic, and it never once got out of control. So as I said, people, feel free to share, share your comments. And e even if you 100% disagree with what I have to say, that's fine. Because I'm not here to please everyone. I'm just here to share my experience, share my thoughts on the world. I know there's people that are in completely different circumstances who live in completely different places that will have completely different experiences. I get that. And that's all welcome. Like, I'm not here to tell you or anyone else how you should feel. I'm just here to talk about how I feel and how I raise my my children because I'm entitled to how I view, view the world and as are others. So anyway, let's get into this. So so I was watching this video here from Candace Owens. So now some, some of you right away say, oh, she, she's conservative, blah, blah, blah. I can care less about the political affiliation because I watch videos from all across the spectrum, from conservatives, from li liberals, from all around. Because like, I'm not married to just one point of view. So uh, so just, this happened to be the video that caught my eye. And so before I get into my response, let me just, just play the part. And I don't even know if I'm allowed to play this, but it's on Facebook, so I should be able to. I just wanted to just play this clip that prompted my response. All right, so I'm hearing that some people can't hear it, which um, I'll just summarize then. So what they were saying is, let me bump that out for right now. Okay, so what they were saying is that if this was Hawk Newsom, the gentleman, he was saying if he gets on a plane and he sees a black pilot, his first thought is like, wow, you know, you had to work twice as hard to get there. And Candace Owens was saying, like, I would be like, wow, you know, I just hope he knows how to land, land the plane. And she was just saying she would say that about anyone in that position. And then just Hawk doubled down on that about working twice as hard, twice as hard. Blacks have to work twice as hard. All right. So let me come back to this. And so if we can scroll down. And again, I don't know if you guys can see this, but my my initial response was that I'm so sick of hearing that blacks have to work twice as hard. Such an awful message to send to our young people and keeps the divide alive. All you need is a vision and the drive to do what's needed to succeed regardless of race. So now when when I start with that, so most of you, you know, I'm a speaker and, you know, when schools were open, although I have done some virtually, like I speak in schools. All, all across, all across, all different communities, all different backgrounds. And I have a, a central message to all of the schools 
that all you need is a vision and the drive to do what's needed to succeed regardless of race. And that got me 44, actually over, there's probably like 60 different replies on this. And some people, some people were very, very respectful. Um, I got told to shut up. I got told I'm ignorant. I got told I'm uneducated. And I got told some, some other stuff. And so I had said, you know, people have so much to say. Why don't you, let's talk about it live, you know, instead of hiding behind the Facebook keyboard. And I posted the link to my, to my um, podcast. And of course, not one person took me up on it. Right. So yeah, there were 50 replies in, in total. Yeah. So nobody took me up on it. And then like someone here said, you know, I'm very successful and I still have to work twice as hard as the white man that I'm working with. And so like my response to that is always, what does that look like? Like, what, what does that mean? So like, are you working 80 hours and they're working 40? You know, like, do you have to do double the work? Like, and, and every time I have this discussion with people, that's what I always say. Like I was on, I was on a panel about a month ago and a woman was talking about her journey and again, she said, she said three times, she said, I had to work three times as hard as the other white people in the office. And I said, give me an example. And she's like, what? I was like, give me an example. I said, you said three times as hard. So what does that look like? I said, let me tell you, I said, I ran track and I became an All-American and my track practices weren't any longer than anyone else's. My schoolwork was, I, I didn't have to write extra essays of, or, you know, if People had to write a 1,500-word essay. I didn't have to write 4,500 words. I had to write the same, the same 1,500 words. You know, so I want to know what your three times harder looks like. And so she said, oh, well, I, I, had, I went to school, and I got a degree, and I got a master's degree. I said, okay, so you put in work. That's all you did. You put in work. I said, why are you trying to make it into a bad thing? <laughs> why, why are you trying to make it into a race thing? Why are you trying to make it into a, I had to suffer and sacrifice? You didn't. You went to school. <laughs> you got educated. You got further educated. You have your own business. Like, why isn't that your central message? Why are you tying it back into the struggles of a black person? Like, that's what I don't understand. Because what people have to realize is that there's more poor white people then there are rich white people. <laughs> so, so like, I don't un understand where this whole privilege thing comes from. And now in doing my, doing this podcast, I've had many guests already in the last 48 episodes from different backgrounds, different ethnicities. I had, you know, um, immigrants, you know, coming on, sharing their story. And it, it's all the same story. They're from poor backgrounds and they had to grind. You know, people, not everyone is just handed stuff. Like the actual privilege here is economic and it doesn't matter what race you are. <laughs> so if, if you, if you're from a poor white family, you're going to struggle. In episode 45, I had Michelle Cunningham on who shared her, her background story growing up, growing up in, she, she said they were the poor family in a middle-class neighborhood. And you know, watching kids get the fancy shoes and the fancy clothes and taking family vacations and everything. And they didn't have that. And she she grew up, you know, as some would say, behind the eight ball because they didn't have that economic stability. And they were white. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? So this 
this facade that just all oh, white people get handed everything. That's exactly what it is. It's a facade. But if you're from a well-off background, and if you're black and from a well-off background, if you're Hispanic and from a well-off background, if you're Asian or Indian, it doesn't matter what race you are, what religion you are, what gender you are. It doesn't matter. If you have that solid, that solid foundation, you can go far. So now let's take it the other way. If you do not have a solid foundation. Maybe you're from a low-income background. You know, maybe you're, you're from a, a household that doesn't have both parents in it, and like maybe you don't have people feeding you positivity. Then yes, you could definitely end up on the wrong path. But again, that affects all races, not just one, not just one. It's like yes, seventy years ago there were there was legalized racism. Absolutely, are there still people around now? that are racist. Absolutely there are. But the difference now is that we don't have to let let it affect us. We don't have to let it affect us. Like as little kids, we were always taught sticks and stones will break our bones, but names will never hurt me. But yet when it comes to race, we let names hurt us. See what I'm saying? It's, It's emotional control. When you let somebody say something about you, and you let them trigger you, you gave them power over your emotions, right? So I remember this one time in high school, I was walking down the hall, just finished gym class, and these three three kids come over, they shove me up against, against the locker, one of the kids gets me in my gets in my face, and he's calling me all kinds of names, calling me the N-word, and just every degrading name that you, you can imagine, and I picked up my books, and I started walking off. He gets back in my face again. And again, I stepped aside. I walked away. And it was like they wanted to trigger me. They wanted me to get mad. They wanted me to lose it. And at that moment, I was, I was like, you know what? I don't have to, I don't have to let that bother me. It's like what they say about me does not define me. What they feel about me is not my problem. It's not my business. <laughs> that's their problem. And that's and pretty much in every aspect of life. Like how many of you guys work on a job where there's someone that you just can't stand or vice versa? Maybe you're the one that that they can't stand. That doesn't have to stop anything at all. And so when I hear that, when I hear people, even now President Biden in one of his town, town halls, a young black kid stands up and was asking him, you know, why should the black community trust you with our vote? And then he went off on this 15-minute spiel. But in that spiel, he says, even though you're playing eight steps behind. I'm like, why on earth would you tell this kid that? It goes back back to that whole thing. If you judge a fish based on its ability to walk, it's going to grow up thinking it's stupid. And also, if you start clipping people's wings at a young age, then yes, they're going to end up possibly on a wrong path. Or you can be like Michelle Cunningham who grew up poor, who grew up with a mother that didn't really believe in her entrepreneurial aspirations, but she decided, this is what I'm going to do. She's like, my kids are not going to struggle the way I struggled. And she went on and she she built an eight-figure business, eight figures. And it wasn't handed to her. She had to grind. She was in the trenches. See what I'm saying? So the good things come to those people who kick ass, who get up 
and they kick ass every single day. So yes, you might apply for a job where you don't fit what, what the person's mold is. That happens. You know what? It happens all the time and it and it's legal in the modeling industry for TV commercials in the acting industry. They have people that they want a certain look for my business. When I'm hiring people, I have a certain mold that I want as a representative of my business. It has nothing to do with race. They can be any color, but I want a certain look. So if someone of again of any race who comes in dressed like like a thug, they're not going to be my front that my front desk person. It's not going to happen. <laughs> right? And that happens across the board. So my biggest thing every time this this race topic comes up is that if a white person and a black person disagree, that doesn't automatically make it racist. That just means you disagree. If someone doesn't like you, did you ever stop and think, wow, maybe I'm being an asshole. <laughs> maybe that's why they don't like you. You know, maybe that's why. Maybe it's not just because of the color of your skin. Or if you don't get hired, maybe you just didn't fit the qualifications that that employer was looking for. It doesn't necessarily have to be because of the color of your skin. But that is used as a scapegoat because people are afraid to touch that topic. And for the longest time, I kept my opinions to myself because I don't want to deal with the Facebook keyboard, keyboard warriors. But now as I'm breaking off into the speaking world, I'm starting to realize now it's more about getting with the people who align with you and ignoring the trolls and the haters because they're all out there. You know, they're all out there and they're going to want to comment. I'm sure people are going to comment on this, but I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about the other people who kind of maybe feel a certain way and they're afraid to say it. So if I come out and share my views, it might help someone else share their views. Because I'll tell you, a lot of a lot of white people are afraid to speak on this topic out of fear of being labeled as racist. And then you get blacks who want to resist Whites talking about it, like Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. He he says it all the time. He says, like you know, Max Kellerman is his co-host. You know, Max is white, Stephen A. is black. And then if something about race comes up, they will go like Steve Stephen A. will go with the other black person and shut Max out of the conversation. Like you know, Max, you know, so and so and I need need to speak as black people. It's like, isn't that? part of the divide? Isn't that still causing a divide? How about we all speak as people? Like when I did my panel on race, I wanted men, I wanted women, I wanted white, black, Hispanic. I didn't have, I didn't have an Asian, but if I could have found one, would have had one. I had one who was partially Indian because everybody's opinion matters. And I want people to understand that white is also a color. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like white people aren't clear. So white is also a color. So everybody has a voice. So just because someone isn't isn't the same color as you doesn't mean that they're not human. They're still human. They they still see things. Like I work with women on a daily basis. I'm not a woman, <laughs> but I've been working with women for two decades. Like when a, when a woman gets pregnant, I can tell her what she's going to feel every single month of that pregnancy just from my experience of working with pregnant women. Right. So if there's someone who has knowledge in working within the black community just because they're white doesn't completely discredit them from speaking on their knowledge. And that's a huge reason that the divide is still alive because we're not seen just as people. You know, everything is categorized now. And we want to talk about disproportionate and, and all this other stuff. Like we're, we're all people. If we get shot in the heart, we're all going to die. 
every single one of us. If I start having a heart attack, I want the closest person to me that knows CPR to save my life. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to wait for, for a black person to save me. You, I don't want you saving me. Like, see how stupid that sounds? And that's what it boils down to. So at the root of all of this, it's one word, and it's called hate. Okay, the root of the problem is hate. Racism in itself is still alive, and stay with me here, is because the media and the political parties need it to stay alive. They use us hook, line, and sinker, and we take the bait every single time. The news can right now post something about a white person doing something to a black person, and the streets will light up. And they take that to the bank. Just look at all the cases from last year alone. From last year, they put out little snippets, just enough to get people fired up. Because not everyone is like me, and I know there's others out there, that I want to see the entire clip first. I want to see the whole thing. Now, that doesn't mean anybody need, needs to die. That, that's a separate conversation for a different episode. But the point is, get the entire story before you react. And people are so quick to just say, oh, that was racist. Like a white person did to a black, that's racism and it's fine. It's like, no, it's really not. It's like, let's find out what happened. It's like, how did, how, I, my question is, how did it get to the point to where people started recording? See, because people only start recording once the stuff is already on the fan. That's when the phones come out, when things get ugly. And I'm, I'm almost like, well, what happened beforehand? And then if somebody comes up and just blatantly does something, yeah, I get it. We can say that because as I started this with, I'm not trying to act like it doesn't exist, but it does. But it's, it's hate. And hate just exists in some people's hearts. It, it just does. So that's the root of the issue, whether it's sexism, whether it's ageism, whether it's people who, who abuse their, their wives, rapists, all that stuff. It all stems from hate. That is the problem. So how does hate go away? Is A, we have to stop teaching it to the next generation. That's no, number one. Because if you take any race of baby, any race, and without any other outside interference, that child is going to naturally step into their power. Where people get held back is because their, their behaviors and their characters are taught to them by adults. So I'm someone that was raised by my parents who taught us always shoot for the stars. Always shoot for the stars. No matter what happens in your life, you shoot for the stars. So if I had parents who told me, you're never going to make it out there. You're never going to make it off these streets. You, you got to learn how to survive on these streets. It's about this. It's about, like, if that's what I was fed growing up, that's what would shape my mind. But that's not how I was raised. So that's how we're going to stop it. We're going to stop it by educating the next generation. And if by educating the next generation, it's going to slow down a whole host of other stuff. Because, you know, there's going to be less crime. There's going to be less crime. There's going to be a higher gradu graduation rate. And again, this is across all races. There'll be a higher graduation rate. You know, so there'll be a higher college college enrollment rate. And then the people that don't get, get to college, we got to stop telling them if you don't have a college degree, you're going to be stuck flipping burgers or pumping gas for the rest of your life. Because that's not true. Because everybody knows my backstory. I dropped out of college three times. And now I mentor people with degrees. 
you know, because I went and, and chose a different way to get my education. Right. So I, I don't have a four, four year degree, but I have enough knowledge up here to where I can give back to other people. And so, again, I've been I've been this this skin tone for 46 years. Race has never once blocked my forward progress. And so now I, I get it. There's other people that can share stories where it has blocked their forward progress. And by all means, share those stories, but then share how you got through it, because that's where the power is in the story. Just saying I had to struggle. OK, great. Everybody struggles. How did you get through that struggle? How did you make it to the other side? And then when you're talking to those young people, that's the part you stress. Don't don't stress the mountain you had to climb. Stress the view when you got to the top. That's how we're going to change things. That's how we're going to change the world. And that's how we're going to empower the next generation. Rioting and smashing stuff isn't going to do anything except make the political parties happy because they can use that stuff against each other. You, you really think you're changing stuff by rioting and looting and all that? They've been doing that for decades. And here we are having the same old talk, right? It's like the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same thing. So now it's time to take a different approach. How about some self-accountability? Say, what am I doing wrong? Stop saying, what are, what are they doing? What are the cops doing? What is my neighbors doing? Who cares? What are you doing? What are you doing to become an unstoppable version of yourself? What are you doing to make yourself stand out in the crowd? What are you doing to make yourself the undeniable choice? And what are you doing that makes you look so good that they don't even see the color of your skin? Because when you get to that point, Nothing can stop you at all. And I, I want to put up, I want to put up Joyce's comment here. I have multiple degrees and the best wisdom I have did not come from that. And Joyce was on my show a few, few weeks ago, dropping some, dropping some, some knowledge. And like I said, it, it's in every single one of us. It's in every one of us. Like again, the premise of the show is how to step into your greatness, into your greatness. So to become great, you got to go through stuff. You know, people people don't get great just handed to them. And there's a select few that that do. But take James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks and the New York Rangers. So he inherited his his late father's business. So he was inherited a billion dollar company. But look at the state of the Knicks. They've been an absolute train wreck. So just because you get stuff handed to you, yeah, he has money. But is he successful? You know, the Knicks haven't won a title in like 50 some odd years. They haven't been relevant in about 20 pretty much since like the late nineties. So, you know, that's just my point that you, that you have to put work in. You have to be the best version of you, regardless of color, regardless of gender. Like, again, I have daughters. You think I'm raising my daughters to just accept that you're going to make less money than men and you're going to deal with this. No, I'm telling them, listen, this is what's out there. And this is how you're going to get past it. This is how you're going to position yourself. This is what you're going to do to make sure you you survive out there and you thrive out there. And then you're going to teach your kids to do the exact same thing. That's the message that's going. So I, I don't get up here and just talk it. I live it. I live it. And so that's all I want to I wanna put out to you all. So when I make comments like, like, like that, I don't make comments just for the sake of making comments. I don't do clickbait stuff. Like when I, when, when I see that stuff and you're out there saying, oh, that's great. He had to work twice as hard to get there. It's, 
Like you're you're playing the victim on somebody's success. It's like it's like he got there. It's like celebrate that he got there. That that's the part that matters. It's like why 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 do you want to turn it into a victim thing? You know, for those who just just chimed in and uh, you don't know what I'm talking about. So I played a video earlier where the guy walked onto a plane, saw a black pilot and was like, oh, wow, he had to work twice as hard to get there. And it's like, why is that the first thing that pops into your mind? <laughs> you know, it's like, why, why is that? Why, why isn't it like, you know what? That, that's amazing. And then get in front of the next generation, be like, hey, you know, you could be anything. We just had a black president a few years ago. There's black pilots, there's black governors, senators, there's black business owners, there's black uh, professional team owners. And the list goes on and on. Like there's more successful blacks now than any other time in history. And the path is so much easier now. So let's just take the job market out of it. If you got one of these, you got the world at your fingertips. Hey, look, there's me, right? But you got the whole world at your fingertips. I was talking with my daughter last last night. We're going to build an e-commerce site for her. She's 18 years old. I told her, I said, there is no reason for you to be a broke college kid. We don't have to subscribe to what everybody else subscribes to. We don't have to do that. And that's just what I, I, I can't stress it enough. So just because... The narrative is what everyone else is talking about. You gotta forge your own path. Yeah, I could easily take the easy way out, jump on, jump on the bandwagon, wave the Black Lives Matter flag, and and jump on the movement without even really looking into the movement. Because I was like, okay, the the saying Black Lives Matter, absolutely, you you can't argue with that. But when you look into the site, which they've since changed, because those of us that take the time to look deeper into the organization, we uncovered a lot of head head scratching stuff. So they've since changed it. But one thing that a lot of people don't know, and if you don't believe me, go to blacklivesmatter.com, click donate now, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. They've raised over $1 billion, $1 billion. Not one school was renovated or built. Not one scholarship was given. Not one project building renovated. No housing built for low-income families. You know where that money went? To the Democratic politicians. And again, if you don't believe me, click the link and see for yourself. Because when I first heard it, that's what I did. I went, click donate now. Like you, you, you have to click a couple of buttons to, to get into like the terms and conditions and all that that no one ever reads. And... It, it tells you right on there that your money goes to Democratic politicians. So when you think you're supporting Black lives, you're not. You're support. You're supporting politicians. That's where that money's going, and that's an absolute shame because cities were burning, businesses destroyed, people were dying, cops ambushed, all in the name of Black lives, and all this money poured in, and not one of it. Not one cent of it went back into the community. Not one. And so this is where you got to become an independent thinker. This is where you have to do your own research and you have to forge your own path. Stop jumping on other people's paths because I've never I've never done that. Never done that. And going back to what I was saying earlier about getting shoved into my locker. I remember I come home. I'm telling my dad about it. And he's like, well, what were they calling you? And I'm going down the list of everything that they called me. And he's like, what? He's like, and you didn't do nothing? I was like, you taught me that people will always see the color of my skin, but it's up to me to help them see past it. I said, so if I reacted that way, 
then I would have become the person that they wanted me to instead of being me. And I never had a problem in that school since then. Only that one incident. Because I just stood there. I held my ground. I didn't have to show out. I didn't have to act all loud and crazy. I don't take nobody's crap. No, I just sat there and I did not let them affect me. I did not give them control over my emotions. So anyone can call me whatever name they want right to my face. They all have the same power. Like I, I took all of those words and I stripped them of their power to me. So it doesn't matter what people say about me because their opinions of me ain't my business. I don't care. Like I have tens of thousands of people who follow me, who are in my circle. I'm not going to worry about the handful that may not like me because of the way I look or the things I say. I don't care. I'm not worried about them. I'm not feeding into them. I wasn't put on this earth to defend myself against people that don't like me. I was put on this earth to help people get in touch with themselves, use the stories of themselves to better themselves and to better other people, to inspire other people. So the people that have something negative to say about it, that's on them. (laughs) And again, that's how I choose to deal with it. And again, that's how I was raised. So I know other people were raised to, you got to fight. You got to fight, fight, fight. And if that's how you were raised, if you're listening to this and that's what you grew up with, I just, I implore you, try a different approach because the the fist approach, it doesn't work because we're still here in the exact same place that we have been for decades, scores, (laughs) you know, the exact same place. And that place is mentally It's mentally because people who come here from other countries, they come here and they thrive. What a lot of people don't even realize, whites aren't even the richest demographic in this country. A lot of people don't know that. It's Asians, (laughs) Asians and Indians. And why? Because they come here. They don't care about the politics. They don't care about narratives. They don't care about any of that stuff. They come here because it's a free country (laughs) and they can do what they want and have success. So they come here, they put their head down, they work. And the Asians are the richest demographic in this country. But why does everybody talk about white versus black? Because it makes the media money. That's exactly why. It makes the media money. And if you don't believe me, start paying attention to the headlines. So even here, I'm in Rhode Island. So even here, if someone gets shot, and if it's, if it's, you know, black on black, it'll just say man shot in Providence. If it's, you know, black on Hispanic, it'll say, you know, woman stabbed downtown. It only specifies race when it's a white person doing some type of harm to a black person. That's the only time it specifies race. And like I said, if you don't believe me, start paying attention to the headlines. Because that's what it is. Because they know white on black triggers people. And people share and videos go viral and newspapers fly off the shelves and they make bank off the advertising money. So they're using our emotions and they're taking it right to the bank. So I'm going to end this now by saying racism is all about emotional control. Emotional control. That's all it is. That's all it is. So if you stop giving people that emotional control, it's kind of like that little kid. It's, right? it's kind of like that little kid that's just 
messing with the girl, messing with the girl, like pulling her hair and poking her in the side. And then she freaks out and he starts giggling. That's exactly what it is. Somebody comes up, calls you the N-word or whatever, and people start getting mad, start breaking stuff, end up getting arrested. And that person sits back and like, <laughs> I got him. That's what it is. So we think we think it's it's all tough to fight and to act crazy and to loot and riot. All you're doing is you're playing right into their cards. That's exactly what they want you to do. And by they, I'm saying the person trying to antagonize you. That's what you're doing. You're playing right into their cards. You're giving them exactly what they want. They want to control you. So when you don't give it to them, like again, like that little kid trying to aggravate the girl, if she ignores them, the kid's not having fun anymore, the kid goes away. Like those kids in school with me said, I didn't have a problem with them ever since then because I didn't give them the reaction that they wanted. And so it, it really is that easy. So if you're secure enough with yourself to not let names bother you, because to me, they're all words. So you can say, shut up and grind with Robert B. Foster, how to step into your greatness and then drop an N-word in there. All those words have the same meaning. They all do. Because I don't get triggered. Like, again, goes back to sticks and stones will break my bones. Names will never hurt me. That is just a name. It's a name that was made up by by a man. And, yes, yeah, so you could say it was used to demean our people. and all. Yeah, it was. But you know what? Our, our people use it to our people now. And don't give me the A and the ER nonsense. Right? You, you go anywhere and you hear that word 9,000 times. So don't try to tell me that. That that word means something now because it really doesn't. Like that word's been desensitized already. So just desensitize it the rest of the way now. And things are gonna change. <laughs> things are gonna change for for the better. And Malcolm commented here, they want to keep us fighting amongst ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely, because while we're all busy fighting and arguing and yelling, they're in there signing executive orders that nobody's paying attention to. Because the media is distracting you with this nonsense and these politicians are doing whatever they want to do. I mean, think about it. Just go back six months ago. Six months ago, you had all of these mayors calling for violence in the streets. Nancy Pelosi calling for uprisings. You know, the Lightfoot there in in Chicago saying the unrest is going to keep happening till we get justice, till we get justice. The election's over. We had nothing. Now it's about unity and peace and harmony. It's like, where was all that before? Like I said earlier, we're being played, people. We're being played for votes. That's it. We're not going to hear a peep about race until 2024. Before that next election cycle, that's when we're going to hear about race again. Because it was like you couldn't turn on the TV. The whole Democratic National Convention, the entire convention was about race and white supremacy. That was their whole convention. That's not priority now? No, because they won. <laughs> so so they don't they don't need the black the black emotions anymore. They don't need it. Like you got played hook, line, and sinker, and now they just toss you away until 2024. That's what's happening. They're and they're taking the money from the Black Lives Matter to write in bills that don't serve you. Walk through any inner city neighborhood. Walk through anyone. We can do it right here in Providence. Walk through any inner city neighborhood. They're not helping us. So the only one that can help you is you. Stop doing this. Start doing this. 
What can I do to put myself in the best possible position to succeed for myself, for my family, for my community? Right. When you get to that point, that's when color will be a non-issue in this country. And that's all I got for you. Thank you guys for tuning in and have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at robert underscore b underscore foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.